ان الحمد لله نحمد ونستعين ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Indeed all praise is due to Allah and as such we should praise him and seek refuge in Allah from the evil which is within ourselves and the evil which results from our deeds for whomsoever Allah has guided none can misguide and whomsoever Allah has allowed to go astray none can guide and i bear witness that there is no god worthy of worship but Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the last messenger of Allah in nasbaq al hadith kitab Allah wa khayra hadi hadi Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa sharr al umur muhdathatuha wa kull muhdathatin bid'ah wa kull bid'atin dalalah wa kull dalalatin fi an-nar indeed the most truthful form of speech is the book of Allah the best source of guidance that brought by Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the worst of all affairs are the innovations in religion for every innovation in religion is a cursed innovation all cursed innovation is a source of misguidance and all misguidance leads to the hellfire brothers and sisters We have begun a new month of the lunar calendar the month of Rabi'a Thani Now this month if we look into the sharia sources has no specific significance no special acts of ibadah have been prescribed no recommendations of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam nothing nothing that we can encourage people to do in this month not done in other months or especially in this month there is nothing beyond the things which the prophet sallam did on a regular basis whether it is tahajjud which he did regularly so that remains whatever month we are in the year to do as much as we can he fasted mondays and thursdays of every week the 13th 14th and 15th of the lunar calendar of every month this he did throughout the year so this we can recommend and encourage people to do in this month but in terms of specific acts there are none however we find in the ummah those who claim that this month is the month in which Sheikh Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani was born. 
And they have specified the 11th of the month as the day on which he was born. And for those of you who don't know who Abdul Qadir al-Jilani was, in terms of those who are engaged in the mystic way, mysticism, Sufism, tasawwuf, for them, Abdul Qadir represents the head of the sainthood. He is described as the Qutb, the pole, one through which Allah's blessings pass before it is distributed to the people on the earth. And they have taken this month, based on the fact that he was born in it, although the actual date of his birth is disputed. Some say it was the 9th, some say it was the 17th. It's really not known exactly what day he was born on. But what people commonly do, who have inherited this uh, leftover from the mystical uh, groups and sects, etc., that they make special meals in this month and they distribute them amongst their friends, believing that this practice pleases the soul of Sheikh Abdul Qadir al Jilani. And if you please the soul of Abdul Qadir Jilani, then he will help you to fulfill your worldly needs and to achieve your spiritual goals. So this is a special uh, practice which has developed. It is, of course, false. We have no such tradition from the Sharia. Even the celebration of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu birthday is not legal. So, what then of Shaykh Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani? Furthermore, people have prescribed a particular salah to be done in this month. It is known as Salatul Asrar or also Salat al-Ghawsiyah because the title given to Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani is al-Ghawth al-A'zam or Ghawsi A'zam meaning the greatest source of help. If you ever need help in this world then the person to turn to is Shaykh Abdul Qadir Al-Jinani, you call out to him saying, Ya Abdul Qadir, aghithni. Oh Abdul Qadir, save me. And he will come to your aid. This is what is taught. And this is what is believed by millions of Muslims. It's misguidance. People have lost their way. They've forgotten. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'een. 
Though said 17 times every day, it has not been internalized. They have not understood what إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ means. And because they haven't understood, then they seek help from other than Allah. Which is, without any doubt, shirk. If we call on others besides Allah, who are dead, distant, we cannot reach them, they can't hear us, but we just call on them in prayer, then this is shirk. This is the essence of shirk. We are calling on others besides Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ had said, Dua is itself worship. So anyone that we direct supplications to, we call on in prayer, we are in fact worshiping them. We might not think we are. We might claim we are not. As Hindus claim that they don't actually worship the idols that we see them worshiping. That they're worshiping God inside of the idol who is concentrated in the idol at the time of their worship. That's how they've rationalized it. So for them, no, we're not worshiping the idol. This is the intellectual Hindus. We're not actually worshiping that physical idol. But in fact, they are. That's what they're doing. Similarly, for Muslims who claim, no, we're not worshipping Abdul Qadir. We don't prostrate, we don't make rukur, we're not worshipping him. We're only calling on him for help. Well, this is worship. This is the essence of worship. This is why Allah said for us to say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone do we worship, and then to clarify for us the essence of worship, Allah repeats after that, وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ And from you alone do we seek help. Because this, for the mass of humankind, is the essence of worship. Of course, worship goes beyond asking Allah's help. But if we were to find a common thread in worship throughout the world, whether people are worshipping idols or they're worshipping people or animals or whatever, the common thread, what links them all together, we can say is the shared common denominator of worship of all human beings, it is seeking help. Of course, the higher stage, the higher stage, begins with gratitude. This is why Allah begins Fatiha with, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. At our worship, we are being trained to make the First step of worship, gratitude to Allah. Praising Allah. Not first thing we call out in our Fatiha is, Oh Allah help me, give me this, give me that. No, no, no. We start off with gratitude to Allah. That's the higher level. 
The mass of people, when do they come to the masjid? If they don't come to the masjid normally, when tragedy strikes, they come running to the masjid, oh Allah, Allah, help me, help me, help me. Same thing with the Christian, when does he go to the church? If he's not going on Sundays regularly, when tragedy strikes, he comes running into the church, oh God, oh God, help me, help me. The Buddhist, the Hindu, especially, these are the times when people commonly turn to God, when they need help. That's why Allah said, even though ibadah, worshipping Allah, involves seeking help, He takes out of that generality of ibadah, al-isti'ana, seeking help, and specifies it saying, وَإِيَّاكَ nasta'in," And from you alone do we seek help. So, this prayer, Salatul Asrar or Salatul Ghawsiyah, in it, those who believe are asked to recite after Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Ikhlas. They recite Surah Al-Ikhlas 11 times. Then they recite this dua 11 times. This is what is prescribed. You can go on Google and Google Salatul Ghawsiyah and you'll go right there and they'll tell you all of the details. It tells you there, what is the dua? Ya Rasulullah, Ya Nabi Allah, Aghithni wa amdidni fi qada'i hajati, Ya Qadi al-hajat. O Messenger of Allah, O Prophet of Allah, save me and provide for me by fulfilling my needs. O fulfiller of needs. Then after that, you make a similar dua with Abdul Qadir's name. Right? So it starts off with Rasulullah but it, it makes Rasulullah an object of worship first and foremost. Because to call on Rasulullah and ask him, help me, this is ibadah. This is ibadah. To call him the fulfiller of needs, qadiyul hajat. This is Allah. Allah is the one who fulfills our needs. Not Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, Not Abdul Qadir. Not anyone. But Allah. So, this month, while a month in which there are recommended acts of ibadah which Prophet Muhammad did throughout his life. And we are recommended to participate in them. It is not a month of special worship. And connecting it to Abdul Qadir, Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, and calling on him for help doing acts of distribution of food, seeking his pleasure and the fulfillment of our needs, this is shirk. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us 
from open shirk to awaken us to its various manifestations and to purify our hearts from all worship directed to other than you, O Allah. I ask you, O Allah, to forgive what has gone before in our lives, what disobedience, negligence, misguidance we have fallen into. I ask you, O Allah, to help us back on to the correct path, Sirat al-Mustaqeem, Sirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين من كل ذنب فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ar Rasulillah. All praise due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last messenger of Allah. In previous uh, khutbas, we had begun the implementation of dhikrullah in our daily lives. And over the period we have discussed a number of other things but it is important for us to keep this concept alive in our day to day lives that we make dhikrullah we remember Allah whenever we do anything whatever we do we should try to include in it somehow, some way, dhikrullah, remembrance of Allah. Because as we said before, that is the goal of ibadah. Our remembrance of Allah is what keeps us on the straight path. When we forget Allah, shaitan attacks us, diverts us, causes us to fall into sin, into disobedience, into the various traps that he has set for us. So, after completing the wudu, and that was as far as we got in previous khutbas, the next thing would be to prepare ourselves to go to the masjid for salah. For men, for women to pray in their homes. If the masjid is open and they wish to go, they can also do that for salat al-fajr. But otherwise, for men, it is a strong recommendation and some scholars even consider it to be an obligation, fart, for a male to make his five daily prayers in the masjid. Now, 
Allah tells us in the Quran, خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ that we should take or adopt good clothing when going to prayer. Primarily in the masjid. But even in the home where we pray, that is in effect a masjid, a place of sujood. Meaning that, we should not go to the masjid in our pajamas. We have some places and we see people coming to the masjid in their pajamas. And when I say pajamas, I don't mean the Indian Pakistani term pajama, which means like uh, outfit, which is actually a dress. But I mean pajamas from the English perspective, where it means your night clothes. The clothes you slept in, you got up out of your bed and now you're going to the masjid. These clothes you would not go for a job interview in. Right? That's the point. You wouldn't go for a job interview wearing these clothes. Then you should not be going to the masjid in these clothes. It is not from the etiquette of Islam that we go to the masjid like this. Not that we can't pray or that our prayer becomes invalidated. The prayer is still valid. If you went and prayed in your pajamas, as long as your aura is covered, your prayer is valid. But the higher level is to prepare ourselves properly to go to the masjid. You know, we clean up. Among the things that we do is we brush our teeth. And this is one of the things, the siwak. Prophet ﷺ had said, were it not for uh, the difficulty that it would have placed on the ummah, he would have made it obligatory for us to do siwak, to clean our teeth, to brush our teeth, in, at every salah. Five times a day. Of course, today we know that that is like the highest level of dental hygiene. Yeah? People who do that religiously, they are not going to have the kind of problems that people normally have today with uh, rotting teeth and, you know, the kind of problems. You see the dentists are stressing, oh, you should at least brush your teeth twice a day. Once in the morning, once at night. What if you did it? If you ask any dentist, what if you brush your teeth five times a day instead? Wow. Amazing. So this is part, this is amongst the signs of the prophethood. Prophet Muhammad had prescribed this siwak, this form of dental hygiene, unknown in the rest of the world. Most of the world, when you read about what the state they were in, when people got older, their teeth were just rotting and falling out of their mouths. Whereas Muslims, who followed the sunnah, their teeth were good. So, this is what is recommended for us, uh, and we should, in putting on our garments when going out, we put on uh, the upper garment, or it could be a full garment like a thobe. You put on the right side first, then the left. And this is recommendation of the Prophet 
When doing that, we say the dua, Alhamdulillah, الذي كسانا هذا ورزقنيه من غير حول مني ولا قوة. All praise is for Allah who clothed me with this and provided it for me with no effort from myself or might. The right side first, as the Prophet ﷺ used to favor the right in all of the good things, over the left. When taking off the, the thobe, same thing, you take off the left first, then the right. And we spoke about that before, this issue of right over left is a reminder for us for the day of judgment when we hope to receive our book of good deeds in the right hand. Those who receive their book of good deeds or deeds in the right hand are those going on to paradise. Those who receive it in the left hand are going to hell. This is not a preference of right-handers over left-handers. People mistakenly think, oh, Islam is right-handed prejudiced. No, it's just a reminder. The left hand has its role, it has its place. It's used for certain things and the right hand is used for other things. It provides a certain organization to life. We do things with consciousness, purpose. We're able to remember God even in the simplest of acts like putting on our clothes. And when leaving out of the house, going to the masjid, we can say, and of course there are many du'as, Bismillah tawakkaltu ala Allah wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. In the name of Allah and I place my trust in Allah, there is no power or might except by Allah. See, all of these, when we think about these du'as, and when we say them, we should say them, not just running them off, but saying them and reflecting on what they mean. On one hand, when we made the du'a for putting on the clothes, clothing, we, we are recognizing where clothing comes from. There are people, people in this world who are clothed and people who are not. But where does clothing come from? It's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah who is providing it for us. So we show our gratitude by recognizing its source and thanking Allah first and foremost. Alhamdulillah. Thanking Allah for having provided this for us. And really, if we kept this frame of mind throughout our day, that grateful frame of mind, it would make a massive difference in our lives. Many of us who suffer from depression, this is the point to start from. This is the point to start from. The cure for depression lies in gratitude to Allah for everything that He has given us. And the Prophet ﷺ, he was the practical example of how we should apply this principle in our lives. And that is why Allah told us in Allah Malaikatahu Yusallun Alan Nabi, Ya Yu Ladina Amanu Sallu Alayhi wa Sallimu Taslima. 
He has instructed us to pray for him because he demonstrated the way. The way in which Allah wanted us to worship him. He was the example. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا There isn't a messenger of Allah for you, the best example. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to establish our faith and to give us the commitment to follow the way of Rasulullah sallallahu And I would like to remind you or to inform you if you're not aware that there is a lecture coming up on Thursday coming. That lecture will be in this stadium here, the Khalifa Stadium. And the lecture will be given by Dr. Zakir Naik. So we invite you all, it will be after Isha, 8 o'clock, to attend, to participate, and to try your best to bring as many non-Muslims as possible to that lecture. The lecture will be focusing on the common misconceptions about Islam and Muslims. Clarifying for people the misunderstandings that they have about Islam. So we can do our part by encouraging our neighbors, our friends, our workmates, etc. to join in. The stadium is huge. It's free, no cost, and take benefit from this lecture. And in doing so, we have fulfilled at least the portion of the Prophet's instruction, convey whatever you have learned from me, even though it be only a single verse from the Quran. This is a way, this is a, a means by which we can convey the message of Islam to others. So it is one which doesn't require too much effort on our parts. Brothers and sisters, I hope that uh, you will be blessed by Allah to actively be involved in bringing non-Muslims to this lecture coming next Thursday. I ask Allah in closing to make our feet firm on the path of Islam, to forgive our loved ones who have passed away, forgive their sins and put them in paradise. I ask Allah to help us to raise our children in a way which is pleasing to Him on the path of Islam. I ask Allah to forgive our many sins and to forgive our negligence and our laziness and our other acts which are displeasing to Him. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to look after the women of the ummah, the women of this community, women who are blessed and made responsible to raise the next generation. I ask Allah to help them to know Islam so that they can raise this generation as it should be raised. I ask Allah to help all of us know Him, know His religion, and know His Prophet. Aqim as-salah.